Well, Mike, we're back for another episode, and this week I'd like to talk about Xbox Design Lab, which was just reintroduced by Xbox during E3, and I also want to talk about the new PS5 controllers, the Cosmic Red and Midnight Black. First, I think we'll start out with the PS5 controllers, because we actually just both bought them. Yep. (laughs) You got the Midnight Black, and I got the Cosmic Red. So, we're pretty excited to get those. Yeah, and then the Xbox Design Lab. We also fiddled around with that um, a little bit this week. And it's pretty fun. I like. I highly recommend people going on there on Xbox's website and just kind of messing around. And you can do it for free. You don't have to order anything. It's worth noting that the controller you customize is the Xbox One controller. They don't have the Series... Uh, X slash S controller yet on there. Now, are you absolutely positive about that? Because I didn't look into that. Yeah, I looked because look look at the pictures when you're designing it. It's got the Xbox One D-pad. doesn't have the, the new upgraded uh, D-pad that's on the new controllers. I'm assuming that they're eventually going to introduce the, the Series X and S controllers. I would hope so. Yeah, I'm sure that's part of the plan. I, I think they just have so many Xbox One controllers left over. They're like, all right, let's 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 keep pumping these out for a little bit. As far as the DualSense controllers we just got, though, um, like you should be getting, by the time this releases, you probably will already have yours. Yeah, you'll probably see pictures of it on our Instagram page. So yeah, keep yeah, an eye we'll, out. Yeah, we'll definitely post pictures. I might have mine by the time this releases. I don't know. We'll see. But um. I would really like to see Sony do something similar to the Xbox Design Lab uh, with the DualSense. Um, I think the, these controllers are just really, really, really designed for doing customization and things like that. And I mean, the console itself, I believe, is also designed with customization in mind. You know, you can pull off the plates and things like that. Yeah, even just like some color swaps, you know, that's pretty much all it is. I don't know why they don't do that, to be honest, because it's not like, I mean, Xbox sells just like custom colored controllers beyond just the design labs. And I don't feel like that takes away from their design labs. So I'm not really sure why Sony doesn't do this as well. I just think they're lazy. I mean, they could easily implement it in the uh, Sony ecosystem. Now, Jacques, what made you choose the uh, red over the black one? Uh, I don't really know. I just really like that color red because it's a unique red. You don't really see that anywhere. Yeah, I just really like this type of red. It almost reminds me of um the color. I had a Mustang for a while too, uh, like a 99 Mustang, and it was sort of similar to that that red, like a darkish red, you know, candy apple kind of mm-hmm. red. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really like that color. I know I like the black too. It was a tough decision because... I I really want the black one too, and I will probably eventually get that. But I just felt like the most people would, were probably going to get the black, and I just wanted to be a little bit different, I guess, and get the red. Yeah, my favorite color is black, so that was an easy decision for me. And uh, you know, when I look back on the old PlayStation consoles, you know, the PS2 had black controllers, the PS3, the PS4. I mean, well, the the default controller, the one that came with the system. So I was. I've been wanting a black PS5 controller, and uh, they finally gave us one. Now, it doesn't have the Sacred Symbols colors on there. That's a little disappointing, and I do think we're going to get that one eventually. But uh, right now, the one that they put out is good enough, and I want a backup PS5 controller. I I like using two controllers. I'm lazy now. I mean, two Xbox Ones, two PS3s, 
and now I'm going to have two PS5 controllers. I never picked up another DualShock 4, though, which is weird, but a little too late now. I think it would be kind of ridiculous if I picked up one <laughs> at this point. Yeah, you, you always want to have a backup controller just in case your controller breaks and you don't have to wait for a, a new one to come in case you don't want to drive out and buy one. Um, the Cosmic Red one I got, for some reason, is $5 more than the black one. Um, the, the black one is 70 bucks and the red one is, uh, 75. So I, I don't know why we're paying $5 extra for red, but you know, Sony, Sony gonna Sony. <laughs> it's red, Jacques. I mean, come on. It's, it's a pretty hard to get that color on there. It's, it's just the easy way for them to make more money and they can get away with it. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, it's puzzling. So the, the regular Xbox one controllers and the ones, um, you design the design labs, are they, are they both 60 or no, 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 wait. So, so the regular Xbox one controllers are 60 and the design lab ones are 70. Although you can get an engraving on the design lab ones, but that's an extra $10, I believe. Yes, you're right. Okay. So, Hey, there's our first car of the evening. Can you see what kind of car it is? I, I don't. I have my curtains closed. Maybe that should be a thing going forward. Every time a car passes by, you gotta na- you gotta name the car. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a Toyota Prius. <laughs> yeah, I'll know it just by the sound of it. <laughs> oh, I had a friend who who could do that. He would hear you know the, a car go by and be like, oh, that's a that's a Ford Explorer. Yeah, there's crazy gearheads that can do that. I, that's crazy. I don't understand how they do it. I certainly can't do that. <laughs> Uh, and now, before I get to the intro, I did want to make a couple, a few corrections, actually, from last week's episode. Uh-oh. It, you know, when you're doing podcasts, and you're in the moment, and sometimes you're going to get things wrong, and it's just going to happen. So, I'm, I'm not going to make a habit of correcting every little thing we get wrong, because I'm sure there's a ton of things every week. But there are some ones that I, when I listen back to the episode, I notice that I should probably correct. Uh, first up is the game Somerville, which I said was Playdead's newest game. That is incorrect. It's actually one of the co-founders of Playdead. He broke off and formed his own company called Jumpship, and they are actually doing Somerville. So you can see where I got confused. Oh, okay. And also, uh, so I, I kept referring to Mario plus Rabbids as Mario Cross Rabbids for some reason. I don't know why. I knew he was saying it wrong, but for some reason I didn't correct him, so that's on me. <laughs> so it is Mario plus Rabbids, so there you go. If I angered you by getting one character wrong, then I hope you're happy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, finally, um, the Starfield trailer. God damn it, there's another car. You're, you're messing up my corrections. Please. That one's a Jeep Wrangler. I can, I can tell, but the, no, I can't hear it. The final one is Starfield, which I said was a CGI trailer. It was, in fact, not a CGI trailer. It was in-game footage. And uh, that, that's going to do it for this week's corrections. <laughs> Please join us next week for more corrections. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to mess things up in this episode. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm not going to make a habit out of it. So, yeah, I guess we all go ahead and start the intro. This is the Boundless Gamers Podcast, um, as you probably know, because we only have a few listeners, so 
uh, they they know already, and they're probably tired of this intro. But if you do happen to be our new listener, then uh, you can find us on social media at Boundless Gamers. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And um, yeah, if you want to subscribe to us as well, that would be much appreciated. Now that that's out of the way, I am going to talk about a segment that we introduced, like, I don't know when, a couple weeks ago or so. And it was, it's called Share Play. This is where uh, we asked for suggestions for games we should play. And we're going to take the top three and then put it to a vote. So here's the thing. We didn't get hardly any suggestions. So how many did we get? It's not enough. <laughs> That's I'll just leave it Ooh, at that. Not bad. Jeez. So here's what's going to happen. Uh, we are going to do this this share play, this first one, but it's probably going to be the last one for a while because there's just not enough interest right now. So we're just going to put this segment on ice for a while until uh, I don't know. We get more listeners and more engagement, whatever. Yeah, it was like the giveaway we did uh, in the last episode. I mean. It- there was just not enough uh, people uh, entering into the giveaway. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to do this again for a while. So, yeah, we we just need to build up uh, an audience that frequently leaves comments and, and gives us feedback. Once that happens, then we can start bringing some of this stuff back. Here's what's going to happen now. I'm going to name off the three games that are going to be up for vote. And... Uh, I think I'll probably leave that up for like a week and you guys will have a week to just vote on the game you want us to play. And uh, in July, at some point, we will play this game at least two hours. We don't have to finish the game, but we will play at least two hours. And then at some point next month, we will talk about it on the podcast. But after that, you don't get any more. I'm sorry for a while, at least. So you only have yourselves to blame. Except for the few people that voted. Thank you. <laughs> but so without further ado, uh, the three games that you have to vote on are Dead Cells, Banner Saga, and For the King. I will uh, encourage you guys throughout the week to uh, vote on those, but we will see. I'm not I'm not expecting a lot of votes, so your, your votes will be heavily weighted if you are in fact voting, so keep that in mind. If you want to make us play uh, something we probably don't want to play, then you have a lot of power. So you wield that power. And I'm not saying anything. If I say which game I don't want to play, everybody's going to vote for it. So you're not getting anything out of me. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Mike, let's finally jump into what we're playing this week. Um, I'm going to start with Mass Effect 2 because I have finished it finally. It's me clapping. I am like four trophies away from the platinum and i tried going for the platinum last night but it's super annoying because the problem is is i before the final mission i had finished every single mission in the game so all i have left to play is the the final suicide mission so i I played that like three times last night you can go through it really quick too if you want so but yeah there's only so much I'm capable of doing for the trophies I need because they're basically like, you know, hit warp on a barrier 25 times or whatever, uh, use incinerate, like whatever. So I can only get like a few on each, like each run. So, <laughs> so I uh, kind of quit last night. I was like, this is kind of more hassle than I want, but maybe I'll try for it again sometime. I don't know. It might be easier just to 
start a new game and just play it for a little bit and then that's it. I'll see what I want to do. I, I don't. It's really a matter of if I really care about the platinum that much. I, I'm leaning towards I really don't. But uh, yeah, Mass Effect Two though it's fucking awesome. It's so much better than the first one. Uh, let's see. I do have some notes here too. I wrote down some little uh, funny tidbits. Um, and I'm curious if you noticed some of these things too in your playthrough. So did you notice that Kasumi has a crush on Jacob? Yeah, I noticed that. There's a little comment she makes when you go back to her sometimes. She's like uh, commenting on like his body and stuff like that. And I just thought that was funny. Here's another thing, not to cut you off. Another thing about Kasumi, you know, her last name's Goto. There's a character in Knights of the Old Republic 2 named Goto. It's a black floating droid that, you know, that follows you around on the uh, Ebon Hawk. And he's one of your companions. So that's so that was a nod to that character. Also, if you look at her outfit, she has a very similar ring belt that that's on Revan's outfit as well. So little things like that, which just little nods to the KOTOR franchise. Interesting. I know I didn't notice that. Yeah, I've never played KOTOR, so I would like to. Hopefully, you know, that, that rumored remake coming, I will get to play at least some version of it. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> when I was doing the Layer of the Shadow Broker stuff, I noticed that, uh, you know, you can look at the files that, the shadow broker had on everybody. Uh, apparently Jacob and grunt, uh, they downloaded some porn. They, the one porn that they both downloaded is Asari confessions, 26 true blue. All right. All right. See, they know what's good. Yeah. They're both into Asari's. I, I totally understand. And going off that too. Um, I, so I did decide that I'm just totally going to be faithful to Liara. God, I was so tempted by Miranda. Man, she was taunting me so bad. And But I was like, nope, nope, I'm going to be faithful to Liara. I don't care what. And I, I was able to resist. I didn't have any romance through the second Mass Effect, so I'm going to carry on my um, Liara romance in the third one. I'm so proud of you, Jacques. You <laughs> made the right decision. There's some, uh, some nice moments with Liara in the third game. Uh, you're going to enjoy those. Liara is Bay, though. I mean, she is the perfect woman, kind of. I mean, she's she's beautiful, she's kind, she's smart, she's cute. She's kind of funny in like a charming, like an innocent, charming way. Yeah. She doesn't get a lot of your humor, but I think that's kind of cute. Now, I think it is kind of interesting in, well, I don't know if I want to say, well, okay, here, I'll just say this, possible minor spoilers for things so if you haven't played mass effect 2 maybe like tune out for like i don't know 30 seconds Timestamps are at the bottom check them out yeah liara you know she kind of after uh shepherd disappears for a couple years between games uh, well not between games but like after the beginning of the second game shit happens uh yeah liara kind of um it affects her she she gets more hard you know more cold mm-hmm Nope. It's just kind of interesting to see that turn, like how she really she really was affected by Shepard's absence. So did you notice that the, uh, the, well, obviously you noticed, but I'm just, see, these are just things that I'm kind of noticing that when I played it the first time back when these games were out, I don't know if I just forgot or didn't catch on to certain things, you know, maybe I wasn't aware of certain things. But so the Quarians, I found it interesting They've become like pariahs after the first Mass Effect because of the Geth attacks. So if if you like go around 
like on the Citadel and stuff like that, they're they're almost like treated like second class citizens because everybody's pissed off about like, you know, they created the Geth and then what happened in the first game. There's that one situation where you meet that Quarian and that uh, CSEC officer and that Volus, he's accusing her of like stealing and shit and he's calling her all kinds of things because she's a Quarian. So yeah, Quarians are definitely uh, at the bottom of the uh, respect list for the alien species, yeah. The entire galaxy is just pissed off, like like Jock said, that they made the gaff. I don't know what choices you made in the first one, but let's just say that for me, like um, humans are kind of on the top of the food chain now, politically, and um, there's a lot of tension in the second one with with uh, the other races uh, towards humans. They they feel like they you know are they don't deserve to be in the positions they're in because they kind of came into this whole uh, galactic um, social space you know the citadel yeah they were the last ones to join it exactly so yeah (laughs) so i I just find like the whole politics of the whole all the games and just based on choices you made i just find that stuff so interesting and that's just only a part of the reason why these games are so good you know there's so much depth there if you really pay attention so even though like you know with these games there's multiple choices you can make make so you might get a different outcome than me yeah, of course. Yeah, there's, there's different paths. I'm sure we, we're not picking the same options. There, there's so many different paths. These games have great replay value. You can you could play these probably at least five times, and each time it's going to be very different. Yeah, definitely. I just wanted to kind of bring up the whole Paragon thing, because and I guess uh, to an extent Renegade options too, but I, I mainly picked Paragon options, so I noticed this, but... I think it's so funny in the Mass Effect universe how uh, you, if you have high Paragon, um, you, you, so many times you'll like approach a situation and it's like, you know, someone has a conundrum, like say they'll have like a, a gun pointed to somebody's head or something and they're like, oh, I'll pull the trigger, I swear. And you just pick the Paragon option and it's like, have you considered maybe like not pulling the trigger? And they're like, you know what? I never considered that. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I think it's it's funny, but it's so unrealistic. Like, there's not even a long drawn out conversation a lot of the times with these these encounters. You're just like you just pick the Paragon option. And he's basically just like, "Hey, how about don't do that?" And you're, the guy's like, "Oh, you know what? I think I, I won't do this now." It's just so stupid. <laughs> oh my god. Now it's for the the second Mass Effect, I you know I was actually like really proud of my squad and actually the first one too i'll just combine them i'm just you really grow close to these characters and especially in the second one when you kind of reconnect with some of the characters from the first one you really feel like how much shepherd meant to them you know you really feel like what you did in the first game and like you really meant something to these people like you really had an effect on them there's a lot of games that don't give you that feeling and i think that's just one of the reasons why mass effect is so popular because it really immerses you in this universe and then these characters and you feel like you are a part of this world and your actions matter well said and then uh just finally on a uh, fun note i wanted to say the viper rifle with incendiary ammo is fucking nasty ruthless oh my god it's amazing yeah like, that's partially why I didn't get some of these last few trophies, because I, like, didn't use my powers nowhere near as much as I could, because I was just fucking destroying everything with this Viper incendiary combination. 
Like it just rips through barriers, armor, everything, dude. It does not matter. And it fires like kind of rapid too, so it's not a slow rate of fire. Oh yeah, you can keep slamming that trigger down really. Yeah. Keep tapping it fast and you can, you're going to unload the entire clip within like a second or two. And especially if you get headshots, dude, like you shoot, it's so funny watching shooting dudes right in the face and their face just catching on fire and they're like, ah, oh, God, it's, it's so OP. I love it. So is there anything in Mass Effect 3 like that? There's a very powerful pistol in the uh, Citadel Shore Leave expansion. It is the best weapon in the game. Really? You can one, two shot guys with it. And the heavy hit him in the head, boom, boom, boom. You just, it makes everything just 10 times easier. So we're talking like Halo 1, like Magnum type power. Yep. Okay, cool. 100%. It's, it's exactly like that. I don't recommend playing this DLC early because of uh, story reasons and you know character development and all that. But man, if you have that weapon in the beginning of the game. <sighs> That's what I was just thinking. Because I remember you saying, like, don't play this short leave until, like, right before the end. But I'm like, damn it. But if you get that, that pistol early, I don't know. I recommend getting all of your companions first. And also meet up with some of your other companions from 2. You'll understand what I'm talking about when you play it. I can't remember. Is there loyalty missions in 3? Yeah, I think there's a few. It's not like Mass Effect 2's where everybody has one. Yeah, that that's something about 2 that was very special. Like, the whole like recruiting and then all the loyalty missions you go on. That was like a huge highlight for me. There's this other, there's this other weapon in two as well, like called the cane. I don't know if you remember that, but it's like basically a mini nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. There's even like yep. a mushroom cloud and everything. And uh, you got to be extremely careful with that weapon. Cause I killed myself because <laughs> if you're too close to the blast oh, radius, yeah. it's yeah. Like I think I uh, took on the final boss and I used that and one shot took away, like, at least half or more of its health. It's stupid OP. But yeah, so, like, going back to Mass Effect 3, though, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? I finished it. I platinumed it. I'm done with the trilogy. Uh, it's nice having all three platinums. The trophy whore in me is very happy. <laughs> um, all right. Here's the thing, Jacques. Back in 2012, or was it 13, whenever it came out originally... I, think it was, I was not happy with it. Okay, go ahead. No, I think it was like 2013, wasn't it? Hold on, let's, let's look well, this up. Well, 13 was Dead Space 3. So, 2000, it, I think it's 2012. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. Let's, let's get this right. I don't want this to be in the corrections yeah, section right. next week's episode. It was 2012. Yeah, when I played this game back in 2012, was not happy with the ending at all. Because we got that original ending before they did that extended cut later on, and it was awful and i watched it again recently after beating three and it's still awful but time heals all wounds well not all the time but sometimes it does i actually like the ending now really it is, it is the extended ending in the in the legendary edition it makes a lot more sense now especially after playing like the leviathan expansion because when the extended version came out back in the day i was like no i still remember that old ending and no it's still in my mind like this new one is just it it doesn't it doesn't do enough for me but it actually did do a lot it changed a lot of things it added a lot of crucial scenes that were missing in the original ending the choices you make at the end each one actually feels different i want to go into it more but i'm going to wait for Jacques to finish the game but yeah i have a change of heart i like the ending for mass effect 3 now the extended ending still hate the original one when you beat this legendary edition trilogy 
go back and watch the original ending for three. Okay. Well, I, I am really glad to hear about the ending. Now, I, I remember all the controversy surrounding the ending back when it originally happened. And just my take on it is I think that a lot of it was like Bioware and what they actually promised because they promised something like 16 different endings. I don't know what the number was, but it was a lot more than just the three basically that we got. And I think that kind of overshadowed. I think people got their expectations up a little bit too high. And I, you know, it was just the, the, you know, having played the other two like so close together and just, this was supposed to be the culmination and everyone was just getting their hopes up. You know, this was like, what, 2012, 2013? 12. So the internet had been around for a while, but it, it's it's not exactly like it was today, you know? So I think, like, you know, with social media and stuff, it wasn't nowhere near as big back then. So I think, like, people were also... It, it was kind of exploding in that way where people were like, oh, you know, we can really voice our opinions and our anger and stuff. And they just caught on, like, wildfire within the gaming community and everybody was involved journalists like you know developers and it was just a huge yeah, that's thing that's never happened before where a, a video game publisher actually had to go and hire back all of the actors and all the other people who worked on the game to to add a, an additional ending be like oh we, yeah we need you, we needed to record more shit you know come back <laughs> that never happened before and i don't think it's happened since I mean, it's something like it may have happened since, but I think that was actually the very first time I remember of something happening like that where online, uh, you know, outrage actually forced developers to do something and change something. And um, more recent incident, I can't believe you didn't remember this, but the whole Battlefront 2 debacle. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. The Star Wars fans forced EA to completely, that was even crazier because they had to completely overhaul the, the game. Yeah, both EA games. Congratulations, EA. <laughs> you struck gold twice yeah i think like in back then i remember i i didn't hate the ending as much as a lot of other people i think it definitely was overblown and people got caught up in all the hype and all that and yeah no i'm really anxious to to get to that mass effect 3 again and see for myself like how i feel about the ending now after all this time and having played the games back to back to back um yeah, let's let's move on to uh, something completely different than Mass Effect, and uh, that's well, two games because I think we have kind of similar things we want to talk about with them, and that is Sackboy and Luigi's Mansion Three. Would you like to go first, Mike, with Luigi's Mansion Three? You're probably sick and tired of me talking about Luigi's Mansion Three because I, I occasionally bring it up, and you're probably thinking like, why hasn't he beaten that game yet? Well, I'll tell you why. I love the game. I'm enjoying it. For some reason, it doesn't hold my attention for too long. Like, I'll clear a floor, and then I'm like, all right, I'm good for the week. <laughs> and I move on, I play something else. It's very strange for me to do that, because I don't play games like that at all, ever. I don't just play a tiny bit and then wait a week or two and come back. So I only have three floors left. I think I'm on the 12th floor now. Um, yeah, it's it's it's... A great game is just doesn't keep the hooks in me because when I start a game, I'm, I start, I know, I I start it and then I go to the end, I finish it right away. But with Luigi's Mansion, it's just like, yeah, that was fun for twenty thirty minutes. All right, um, yeah, let me let me go back to Ratchet and Clank or whatever the hell I'm playing or something, and then you know I'll come back to this later. I haven't had that feeling with any other Switch game, 
Have you ever felt like that in a game, Jacques? Um, well, yeah. So with Sackboy, I kind of have a similar issue where oh, it, the game is fine. <laughs> it's it's not bad. It's a good game, but it's taking me weeks to get through it. And I'm I'm kind of I'm pretty much at the end. I'm like halfway through the final world, probably like ninety ish percent done. But I'm just like, I don't really have an urge to come back and play it. And I'm not really sure why, because it's a fun game. Uh, maybe it's because it doesn't have the depth I'm looking for. Maybe it's because it's a little too childish. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I, you know, coming off Astro's Playroom, which was fucking phenomenal. This just seems like a downgrade a little bit. It does <laughs> kind of some similar things, but not as well. And now I will say, Mike, um, initially I was going to give this game probably about a, I don't know, 7, 7.5. First, let me go back. So I I play a lot of games without the sound on because I listen to podcasts because I'm a little bit uh, ADD and I, I need like multiple things going on in my brain <laughs> at the same time. Not not to cut you off. I've actually been doing that with Luigi's Mansion. I've only listened to the sound for like the first maybe hour of the game. And then I've just been listening to podcasts while playing it. Yeah, I'll do that too. Like, so I will give the game initially, I will listen to the sounds just to kind of get a feel like what the music is like, what the sounds are like before I put in the podcast. So I typically have been listening to podcasts while I play this game because it's, you know, it's a cute little platformer. You don't really need to, there's story there, there's cutscenes, but I don't really give a shit what's going on. You know, I just kind of skip that shit. So there's this one level, okay, and I don't remember what made me take out my, my ear, my AirPods, but... So I took out my AirPods, I turned up the music, and I was completely shocked to hear David Bowie's Let's Dance playing. Oh, really? That kind of music? Yeah, and I was like, what is this? So I like went through and played the whole level, and I was fucking mesmerized. Let me mention, too, that I was also high. I know I, I don't want to be one of those annoying stoners that's like, <laughs> oh, oh, I got to tell everybody I'm high all the time. But... Yeah, so but it plays into it because I was stoned on edibles and I'm going through this level to Bowie's Let's Dance, which I fucking love that song. But not only that, the whole entire level is designed around the rhythm of the song. Kind of like in the Rayman Legends uh, levels where they play like the rock music and shit and everybody's going along with the beat. This one is crazy, though, because you can actually, pl the gameplay, you can play the game to the, the the beats of the music. Like, you'll know when to jump based on just listening to the music. It, and it's so, like, fine-tuned and perfectly designed that I was like, why is the whole game not like this? Now, I, I did go and look, and there is, like, a handful of licensed music in there. All the levels are not like that, but there's some. There's, like, Britney Spears' Toxic, which is hilarious. I forget some of the other ones, but um, but this Let's, Let's Dance one, I was just like, it, it was sublime, dude. My mouth was hanging open the whole entire level. It made me so happy, and that immediately knocked the game up to a 10 for me. So what you're saying is don't listen to a podcast while playing this game? Possibly, yes. At least the licensed music levels. I think there's like five or so. I, I don't know. You hear the same sounds in Luigi's Mansion a lot. It's like, whoa. Hey, 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 hey. It's like, you know, I was like, all right, there, there is some good music in it and stuff. And, you know, I, I don't completely ignore it. I do put the volume up just a little bit just to kind of hear what the stage music sounds like. And then I put it back down and go back to the podcast. But uh, yeah, I don't normally do that in games. It's very rare. But with Luigi's Mansion, I've been uh, experimenting with that. 
I, I see. I mostly only do it, and you're probably similar. If it's like heavy gameplay type games, because if, if there's like a, a deep story or something, I'm not going to listen to a podcast. Obviously, no, no, never. I might do it like if there's just you know in between like story elements or cutscenes, but um, like Mass Effect, I didn't listen to a podcast. That <laughs> that would be like sacrilege. Yeah, you might as well not even play the game at that point. I do it a lot for like platformers though, because it helps me concentrate too with the platforming. So I'll also mention with Sackboy, uh, the, the, the character customization is really cool. And that's a part I heavily enjoyed. I, I was able to make a bunch of actual like characters like, uh, Aquaman, Green Arrow, Aloy. I even made like Liara. It's pretty cool because there's lots of unlocks through, through the levels. And um, the levels are designed for like repeat playing if that's what you want to do. So yeah, it, like it is fun. And, and also too, um, Mike, when you do play this, there are free character skins you can download. Ratchet and Clank and Rivet from the new game. There is Celine from Returnal, which was very odd. Oh. But it's pretty cool. Um, and I think those are the only free ones right now, but I, I really thought that was like a cool crossover with PlayStation, the universe there. So Yeah, th- they did that a lot with the Little Big Planet games. They had tons of skin packs you could buy from like uh, various uh, other video games, not just Sony exclusives. Yeah, so uh, Sackboy, uh, 10 out of 10 game. <laughs> that's that's my conclusion. So if you're listening to a podcast, uh, it's a 7 out of 10. If you put the volume up, it's a 10 out of 10. Yeah, just uh, listen to pod- you can listen to the podcast, but the, the uh, David Bowie level, and I forget what the actual name of the level is. It might be Treble in Paradise. Yeah, if you get to that, take out your headphones. So, yeah, anything else you wanted to say on Luigi's Mansion 3? No, not, re- not really. I- I'm going to talk more about it once I beat the game, and I am going to beat that game uh, this week, hopefully. All right, so, you know, speaking of Ratchet & Clank, which I just mentioned, um, we are both playing Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart right now, so do you want to talk about that for a minute? Sure, yeah. I just finished it. I platinumed it. It's a very, very easy platinum. Uh, last I checked, it had like 14%. Like 14% of the community has unlocked it. That's really high, actually. It's probably higher now, which is nuts. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love the game. It's definitely my favorite Ratchet & Clank, but I've only played three. I haven't played all of them yet. Definitely beats the 2016 one. It's it, just like the last one. It's like you're watching a Pixar movie, but even more so now with the uh, PlayStation 5 graphics. I, I don't want to cut in, but like, holy shit, dude. I And I'm not far. Like, you platinum did. I am probably like, I don't know, 20 minutes in, half hour. I'm not that far. But immediately when you turn this game on, it is stunning. Like, and I know you had recommended, see, there's three different uh, modes you can turn it on. There's Fidelity, which is like the full 4K. It's got all the bells and whistles, except it's in 30 frames Yeah, that's, that's That's the downfall. 30 yeah. frames, okay. So, and then there's Performance RT mode, which is, uh, I think it's like 1440, maybe it's even lower than 1440, like 1080, but you get the 60 frames and you get ray tracing, I think, right? Yeah. So, and now the, the mode that me and Mike both agree you should play is just straight up performance mode. It does not have ray tracing, but it has 60 frames and you get, I think, 1440 resolution. It's got a better picture image too than the uh, the other performance mode. Yes. You, know, you don't want that one. So it's a good balance in between. I mean, yes, ray tracing is awesome, dude, but just the standard, like without it, 
it looks so good. Like, I can't even believe it. You would think that ray tracing is turned on when it's not because the shininess and reflection off all the surfaces is mind blowing. Yeah, the sunlight bouncing off all the objects is just, ah. Uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll understand when you get to those planets though, later, Jacques. It, it looks amazing. And the 60 frames is where it is a must. Because now I do recommend trying all three of the modes just to see what you prefer because this game does look graphically stunning in 4K. Like it is crazy. But I can't do 30 frames. Not with this game, no. I For like new games, like playing more on the PS5, I'm so spoiled. It is so difficult to go back to 30 frames. The 60 frames in this game is so smooth. And it is a significantly noticeable difference. You're definitely going to notice it uh, later on in the game, Jacques, when there's a shit ton of enemies on the screen and there's so many things happening at once. If you switch it back to 30 frames per second, it feels like it's almost unplayable, like it's chugging. Yeah, it gets really, really bad. So yeah, I highly recommend that, guys. When you get to a really crazy section of the game, put it on 30 frames per second, just, just to understand. Yeah, it almost feels like you're playing with lag. Like I said, the 4K looks beautiful, but trust me, it still looks stunning, you know, in the performance. 1440p looks beautiful. It's good enough. I couldn't believe it. It looks like it is in 4K still. It really does, because, like, the fur on, like, Ratchet and Rivet looks so detailed. I can't even believe it. It does look like a real uh, a Pixar movie. It straight up does. So, anything else you wanted to add, Mike? I know you, uh, you. There's not too much you can say since you. Uh, no, it. yeah. Uh, I love all the weapons in the game. There's a ton you can unlock. There's actually two weapons you can only. Uh, no, there's one weapon. There might be two. You can only get them after you beat the game and you start challenge mode, which is basically new game plus. So uh, yeah, keep that in mind. I do recommend collecting everything because you get some cool unlocks. Besides the uh, trophies, of course. I mean that that's. That was my main focus, but, you know, you do get some cool shit when you get everything. But, yeah, I think Insomniac is just showing why they're one of the best in the business. Just with this PS5 right now, you know, they got the Spider-Man remastered, and they did a really good job with that. I've been playing it here and there. Of course, you got the Miles Morales game. I thought that was fantastic. And then now you have Ratchet and Clank. I, I can't wait for their next game. It's probably going to be Spider-Man, but yeah, yeah I was going to say wait. it's they're probably it's Spider-Man too, I believe. I think they're they're already working on that. So, oh man, I can't wait for that. Oh, I love Spider-Man so much. Yeah, and I, I really think Insomniac's writing is really top-notch too. Like, I just I think you know with Ratchet and Clank, it's just so humorous. You know, a lot of games try to be funny, and I think it's very difficult to for to write humor in video games since it's an interactive medium and humor requires good timing. So for them to be able to to really have a humorous game, I, and it was the same with uh, the Spider-Man games, you know, the, the writing is just really, really good. So, and that's in addition to just the games looking and playing phenomenal. I have one thing I forgot to mention. It's a bad thing, actually. I had my first PS5 crash with this game. Oh, really? Yeah, I went through one of the rifts and then the screen turned completely white. And I thought it was maybe some weird loading screen or something, so I just waited a few extra seconds, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 this can't be a loading screen. The PS5 would have, you know, instantly transferred over by now. Uh, yeah, so I went back to the dashboard, and I tried uh, closing the game. Wouldn't let me close it. I tried, and I tried, and I tried. Couldn't close it, so I was like, huh, what am I going to do? 
oh, let me try switching to a different game. So I switched over to um, Jedi Fallen Order. And then it tries to boot Jedi Fallen Order up. And then the system just locks up. I went over to my console. I tried turning it off. And it wouldn't turn off. It was just stuck. I had to hold down the power button for 20 seconds. Yes, it actually does take that long with the PS5. And uh, just shut it all down. Booted it back up. Had to do a database rebuild. And then um, the save data got corrupted for Ratchet and Clank. But the PS5 immediately went to the cloud and put it up on the screen to go pick that one. I downloaded that and boom, I was fine. And then it uh, didn't happen again. That kind of freaked me out. I thought I was going to start the whole game over or something. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet they gave you a heart attack because these, these consoles are so hard to get that it's like, man, please, please don't. But yeah, that was the first time my PS5 crashed, and hopefully it will be the man well, won't be the last, but hopefully I won't have another one for a long time. Now I have heard of there's been some bugs reported with Ratchet and Clank, but Insomniac has already gotten at least a couple patches out, so I'm sure they're on top of that. They're going to continue to release more. So, but man, I love those instant load times. It's like you're just walking through a door in the game. There is no loading here. God, I love the PS5. Love that SSD hard drive. It's great. It really is stunning how quickly things load. Like, there's no way this game would work on a PS4. Because when you're going through those riffs, man, it's like it's two seconds tops, and it's pulling in completely different worlds. Yeah, it's just so crazy fast. I, I just don't see how the hard drive would be capable of that in any PS4 model. The PS4 Pro would struggle. Yeah, for sure. So the base model PS4, there's no way in hell we could do it. Well, all right, I think we've pretty much said all we need to say about Ratchet for, for this week. Um, we, we will revisit it when uh, I finish it. Same thing with Mass Effect 3. Um, I apologize. I am so far behind Mike, but he finishes games like The Flash. <laughs> I get very little sleep, so I mean, I have a little extra time here and there. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, finally move on to our topic, Mike, which uh, we want to talk about the Xbox 360. And now we've already talked about games previously. This time we're going to focus more on the hardware aspects uh, and all the issues that the Xbox 360 had. uh, Because, you know, some of our younger listeners might have not been around at the time or they weren't old enough, but... There was a lot of problems with the Xbox 360. As great as the system was, it's it's one of my favorites, but there there was a lot of problems, and we're, we're going to discuss those right now. So, Mike, do you, you want to get us started on this one? Everybody's screaming at the podcast right now, oh, they're just going to talk about the Red Ring of Death. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's a lot more. There's a lot more. Me and Jacques experienced a lot of issues across the board with multiple different things with the 360, and we're going to get into that. But yes, we'll talk about the Red Ring of Death right now and uh, how uh, insane that was that you know Microsoft had to spend basically a billion dollars to extend everybody's warranties to, to get all of those sy- systems fixed. Wasn't it like a 60% failure rate with the old model? I don't remember the exact failure rate. I can look it up, but it, yeah, it was very, very high. Like, me and you both went through multiple systems throughout its lifespan. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had the 2007 20-gigabyte model, red-ringed, sent it in. They uh, gave me a, a replacement model. It wasn't brand new. It was just another refurbished uh, white 
Xbox. That also red ringed like six months later. And uh, I just said, you know, the hell with it. I'm just going to get one of the new Xboxes that are out because, you know, the Slim was out at the time. So I picked up the glossy 250 gigabyte Slim, which, by the way, that thing annoyed the hell out of me. It was the touch sensitive power button and the eject. Sometimes you could be dusting the thing and you could turn the system on. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. I had that for about two years. Then it stopped reading discs and then it eventually died, uh, maybe like a couple months later. It was having like disc uh, tray issues too. Like I had a hard time opening it up. So that's three systems that had major issues. Yeah. So I, um, I've looked up the failure rate. I'm seeing two different reported numbers, so I'm not really sure what the real one is, but so I see one, this is 23.7% failure rate, but I also see some other articles uh, that say a 54.2% failure rate. That's more accurate. Yeah. Cause everybody was, it felt like everybody was experiencing that. Yeah. So it was like over half uh, of them failed. And uh, the, these reports are from 09. So yeah, it, it was, uh, so I went through at least like three consoles myself and there was the whole thing where you had to contact Microsoft, which was a bitch in and of itself. They would send you a box and you'd pack it away, send it to them all for free. I believe they would give you like a refurbished one back. So yeah, I had to do that multiple times. And because I think every time it was like, yeah, it was like a red ring of death. But I think sometimes it was the the the, the lens, the, the disc reader. Yeah, it would, uh, whatever reason, if it, it was so sensitive where it would just get like anything on it and it would just stop reading your games. Yeah, I think I forget what the name of the error code was, but it was like a, a very prominent thing that would happen to a lot of people. And then as, eventually I just got tired of sending it in. So I learned how to fix it myself, uh, at least temporarily. There you go. Did you wrap the wet towel around it like some people did? I don't think it was supposed to be a wet towel because that would just the water would leak in and destroy all the uh, circuits and stuff in there. It was not, it wasn't soaking wet, but it like was a like a damp towel. It was damp, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, you'd purposely like overheat it. It's, it's so weird. So yeah, I figured out just I went on YouTube and just found like some tutorials on how to take it apart. And it was actually kind. It was fairly easy, actually, um, easier than you would think. And and then you would just like basically clean off the lens, the the disc reader and put it back together and it would work suddenly again for at least for a little while before it fucking red ringed again. Oh, I forgot to mention this. Uh, my first system that I had actually chipped some of the plastic off of two of my discs, Call of Duty World at War and Marvel Ultimate Alliance. World at War still worked, but it messed up my Ultimate Alliance disc. It wouldn't work anymore. Like, yeah, there was just like a piece of the plastic on top of it was just was gone. And not to mention, a lot of people reported, some of you probably remember this, the system would sometimes ring the discs. You'd be a white scratch ring that goes completely around the, the bottom of the disc. It was like a perfect circle. That was also happening with the older models and some of the elites. Um, I don't know if you want to move on to like the controllers, too, because that was a big issue. <sighs> five. Yes, five Xbox Microsoft Xbox 360 controllers. I'm not talking about some of the generic ones that are out there. And I did have a couple of those, but I went through five of them. They would stick drift like crazy. And I'm not rough with my controllers. I, I treat my stuff like, like, like they're babies. I'm very gentle when I'm messing around with it and stuff. 
and yeah, it, it, these things would just drift left and right. And some of my controllers that like the sticks were so loose, they felt like they were going to come off. It's it's it was a huge issue the stick drift like it was well known because it's kind of funny because it's like come back with the dual sense because there's that the whole that was that whole thing about the potentiometer inside the controllers like there's only so much yep. hours I forget what it was like four hundred something hours of life on the sticks mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed any problems with the dual sense sticks yet I don't think I have no. but um they, so yeah it's funny that these issues keep arising with the controllers with my last controller I bought the fifth one. I went to GameStop, bought a brand new one, package was not open, it was sealed, there was no tampering with it whatsoever. I went home, synced it up to my console, I booted up Alan Wake American Nightmare, and guess what happened, Jock? What? It was drifting immediately. <laughs> brand new, and I just started moving the sticks, and I'm like, oh, it's drifting. Oh, shit. Uh, I'm like, you got it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I brought that thing back, and I picked up a generic rock candy controller, and I'm just like, the hell with it. I might as well just get a piece of shit controller that's for 20 bucks, and it lasts for six months. Because I'm not spending another $50 on a Microsoft 360 controller. That was not going to happen. It's a shame, because I love the 360 controller, how it feels. It feels great in your hand. Yeah, like, that's the thing. The fit and the feel was great. It was just the fact that they were made like shit. And so, you know, I went through numerous controllers too. And at like, what, $60 a pop? Were they 50, 60 bucks? Yeah. And you even sent me one of them and that drifted. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it becomes tough. And, um, headsets as well. We can, you know, go on to headsets from this. The, those were crap too. It's like everything with this, this system, it was just the whole hardware was just garbage. Now, are you talking about the $20 headsets that Microsoft put out? Because those are the ones I had issues with. Well, I also had issues with Turtle Beaches and Tritons, but I did get a lot of those $20 Microsoft ones, and they only last about three, four months because the wire on it was so paper thin, you could barely see it. That's what I'm talking about, the uh, the official ones that, that came with the, the $20 ones. I don't know how many I went through, but uh, something hilarious I just remembered uh, so the one time when they broke, I was just like, uh, fuck it. Cause it's it still, it still worked. Like I could still talk through it and stuff, but I don't know what happened. I don't know if the, the actual band like had snapped or something. So I just did like a little, um, quick fix where I took a baseball cap and I essentially like cut a hole in the side and I kind of like fit the mic in there and I like duct taped it on there. And I basically would just like put on my baseball cap and that would be like my, uh, the, the, mic part attached to it and i would just talk like that it was actually pretty cool i love it you macgyver that yeah hell yeah i mean you got to man when they're breaking down so much i can't i can't afford that shit i didn't have as much money back then you know i then of course there's like the the power bricks too had issues as well like they would they would overheat do you want to talk a little bit about that mike you can't see me right now but i'm face palming like <laughs> really hard because i went through three of those you actually sent me one uh, for my, uh, it was the slim model and that one, uh, messed up. Yeah. The fan in it would just deteriorate over time. Like you would start hearing like, <laughs> it would start making like really weird mechanical sounds. And then eventually the fans would just die in it. And then, you know what happens after that? If there's no fan in there to keep it cool, it's going to overheat the system and then the system's going to shut off. So yeah, I had to go through three of those. I think I had four actually in total because, you know, it had the one that came with the system that crapped out. And then I 
bought a new one for the white one that crapped out and then i got a third one and that lasted for a little while and that also started giving me issues now some of you are probably saying well you got to keep that area clean and you know make sure no hair or dust gets in the holes and stuff i was on top of that all the time i always would i would always vacuum around it i was always sweeping around it i was making sure that area was clean and it still just failed i i I can't believe we tolerated this I, i i'm still shocked that we tolerated this bullshit. And we didn't want to go over to the PS3 because the PS3 didn't really have a proper party system. I don't even think it had one. I think it just had to go into into a game and then talk there. That's one of the great things about the 360, had the party chat system, and we love that. And we didn't want to give that up. And we like the Xbox ecosystem. We're playing one versus 100, and God, I hope they bring that back. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. A lot of cool shit like that, and we just didn't want to give all of that up. So we tolerated all the, the issues. If I got a system now and it was doing all of that stuff, I would boycott the hell out of it. I was stupid back then. You know, I'm 31 now. If that if that shit was happening with my PS5, multiple controllers breaking, having to constantly change the wires and everything, I'd be like, the hell with the system. Don't buy it right now. Wait for them to fix it. I, I think that partially just kind of speaks to how good the games and the Xbox Live ecosystem were, though, that despite all those hardware issues, we still stuck with that as our main platform. Yeah, the 360 had a great library. I still believe that they had the better exclusives over Xbox One. Xbox One's exclusives were shitty compared to the 360 days. Oh, yeah. There's no comparison. I mean, there's a few games on the Xbox One that are very, very good, but the 360 just had a wide range of games for everybody they had some really good jrpgs you know that were exclusive to the xbox remember the original mass effect for a while was exclusive bioshock you had alan wake bioshock i mean the list goes Fable. on forza halo gears <laughs> yeah there's there a lot it, it, xbox 360 had a fantastic library and then you know going back to like the hardware problems too also we forgot to mention with the controllers the battery packs I'll let you talk about that first. I got I got stuff to say about that. No, no, you go. If you have stuff to say, please go. I had four Microsoft rechargeable batteries. They didn't last that long. So I had to buy uh, Nyko ones eventually. And those lasted forever. And I still use Nyko to this day. I have Nyko rechargeables for my Xbox One. They work great. Uh, but yeah, I went through four Microsoft ones. I went through two charging stations. On Did you have any of the charging stations? The one where you can like put two of them on there at the same time and it would charge both the batteries up? Yeah, I had the uh, Nyko one as well. It worked pretty well, actually. I eventually got the Nyko one and that was great, but I had the Microsoft, two of the Microsoft ones and they failed. See, I know I don't remember if I actually had the official Microsoft ones or not. I probably did and they probably failed, which is why I probably got the Nyko. <laughs> Also, another thing I want to point out, and they still do this to this day, and it annoys the hell out of me. They refuse to give you a rechargeable battery pack in the console. I mean, I know that they don't want to put it in the controller. Okay, fine. Fine. You don't want to put it in there. You want the option to have double A's. All right. That's fine. It really sucks that when you buy a new Xbox console, and if you want rechargeable batteries, you're going to have to cough up another 20, 25 bucks. And that's the one thing I appreciate with the PlayStation consoles. It's a built-in rechargeable battery. You got a plug, you're ready to go. 
it just sucked that there was like little hidden fees with the Xbox consoles over the years that you had to pay. And that, that was one of the things that used to bother the hell out of me. And it still does to this day because they refuse to give you any sort of rechargeable with the uh, console you purchase. Yeah. And I know some people prefer the battery packs, um, which is fine, you know, but I do prefer just the internal battery because it's so easy just to like plug in the USB to the console and charge it. Yeah, and the counter argument is, oh, eventually those are going to die and then you can't use the controller anymore. It takes a long, long time, many, many, many years for that to happen. And if it does happen, it's really not that hard to replace the battery inside there. You unscrew the controller, you find where the battery thing is, you pop it out, you get a new one, put it in, close it back up, you're good to go. Not a big deal. I guarantee in most cases, something else is going to fail on the controller, the sticks most likely, way before the battery dies. I've never had a battery die on any of my PlayStation controllers. Got my PS4 DualShock 4 over there. Six years old, still gets a full charge. Not a long charge, because, you know, that controller has always had a short battery life, but what's like four or five hours tops. It still gets that. I love the 360. I forgot to say that in the beginning. I know Jacques did, but I still love the 360, even with all of these issues. I've had so many great gaming memories on that thing, and it will always be one of my favorite consoles. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that thing had no problems because that's just not true. But see, the way I look at this, I actually see this as a triumphant story for Microsoft because despite all these issues that we've discussed, they didn't fail. And not only that, but that 360 and went right into the Xbox One era, which we all know about that just disastrous launch of the Xbox One. And we'll talk about that probably as a topic someday too. But to go from like, you know, a 50% plus failure rate on the 360 to costing them $1 billion to, to remedy the problem, then going into just an absolute shit show of a launch for their next console, and then getting to where they are today, where they're like, they've basically completely repaired their reputation and they're, they're, they're trending upward and, you know, they've got Game Pass and xCloud and all this stuff. I, that is fucking amazing. It is amazing. They did a not not Don Matrick. No, no, not him. Uh, Phil Spencer has done an incredible job uh, steering the ship around, and it took him quite a few years, but they're there now, and they're 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 back. You know, Xbox is back. I mean, they're getting great exclusives now. Their their hardware is great. Game Pass, of course, that's like the biggest thing they're doing right now, and it's it's just keeps getting better and better. It's the Netflix for for gaming. I just see a bright future ahead for, for the Xbox brand. But man, did they go through some horrible shit <laughs> with the 360 and Xbox One. My God. I, I think maybe like only a company like Microsoft. There may be like a couple others if they would have been in the same position, like maybe Apple or Amazon. Google or and Apple can cover yeah, those Google. costs. No. They, 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 only a handful of companies that would have the cash, the money to be able to survive all these issues. And you mentioned Phil Spencer. I think he is a large reason why they they have stuck around because it, a lot of people don't know, but Phil Spencer has been with Microsoft since 1988. Like he started as an intern working on really? like PC that stuff. Long? Yeah. Damn. And he's wow. rose up through the ranks to become the head of Xbox. So he's seen all of these generations from the very original Xbox all the way up until now with the Series X and S. So he's taken, he was able to take what he learned from those disastrous uh, generations. You know, they, with the 360 we talked about with all the hardware issues, they've solved that. 
hopefully we'll see with the X, the Xbox one with, you know, their, the biggest thing was no exclusives. They didn't have the games he's also remedying that right now. So it's like, he's taken what he's learned over all these years. And I think like the Microsoft is looking really good now going forward, as we've said. So, you know, then it's a lot of as Phil Spencer, man, he, he, he truly, he, he knows what he's doing. He, he cares about the, the gamers. He also had to overcome the Xbox One's hardware issues. The first original Xbox One that came out, eh, it had still had the power brick. You know, it had all that connect bullshit in there that like bogged down the performance of the system. And then, of course, let's not, you know, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, all the features that the Xbox One had in the beginning uh, that we'll save that for that, you know, future topic. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of shit they had to clean up. Yeah, that is true. I know my sister has an OG Xbox One and. Guess what? Her power brick died. <laughs> I'm glad they moved away from power bricks when the when the Xbox One S came out. They're just like, you know what? The hell with this thing. We're we're gonna put it in the system. All all of that stuff. You know, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Just a simple plug in the wall. And they haven't uh, gone back to the power brick since. Thank God for that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's one thing I do like about Microsoft and Xbox is they're very uh, adaptable. Like they, they address their issues and they, they constantly, they, especially now with Phil Spencer at the head, like he's very flexible and I love how open he is, like how transparent he is with the gamers. Um, I, I kind of wish Sony would be more like that because it seems like this new generation, they've kind of, uh, with the Jim Ryan at the head, like they've kind of moved away from that and they're a little bit more like just, or we're strictly business and or, or there's no fun really and we're just gonna uh you know tell you know they're they're not as transparent as phil spencer and I, I i don't really know why it's kind of puzzling they've made a lot of puzzling decisions and yeah the playstation brand's future is a little cloudy right now like you can't really see the picture kind of worries me a little bit but i do think they'll get back on track because at the end of the day their exclusives speak to everybody and if they keep pumping those exclusives out those really, really good exclusives all the time. I, I think they'll be okay. Hopefully they don't get too cocky. I do agree with you to a certain extent about the exclusives. People are always going to come for the Sony exclusive as long as they keep putting them out. But I do think they are worried about Microsoft. I Or I should say, I, I should hope that they're worried if they were smart, um, with especially with Game Pass and just how much Xbox is branch, branching out. And it's funny, we were talking about hardware issues because... The hardware is not so much important anymore with Xbox, you know, because they're going to be on nope. smart TVs. Um, you know, I mean, that's hardware, but it's not like a traditional console is what I'm saying. You know, they have the X cloud yeah, TVs, tablets, yeah. mobile phones, um, and you yeah. can get Game Pass anywhere. laptops yeah, anywhere because yeah. Game Pass is their end game. That's what they're focusing on. And as we just saw with E3, man, they are just coming with bangers after banger. Um, and not just, you know, they, of course, they have like the, I don't know how many, it's like 20 plus studios or something. So they've got exclusives coming in the next few years. But on top of that, they've, they're getting all the third parties. That's where I really think they're doing a good job is all these third party games. Um, I, yeah, I would be worried if I was Sony because they have the exclusive advantage right now, but in the next few years, that's not going to be as wide of a margin. And I really do predict by the end of this generation that... It's going to be closer. I don't necessarily know if they're going to surpass Sony, but I think they are going to severely close the gap and be right neck and neck with Sony by the end, if not sooner. I've been saying this for a while, but Sony has one year. <laughs> they have this entire year, the 2021, I think 
they got to get their shit together and you know come up with you know better plan for the future because when next year rolls around some of those microsoft exclusives are going to be ready to go and then then they're going to have a real challenge on their hands so uh sony better get your shit together before next year you're going to get a good fight from microsoft they're going to have starfield and some other games ready and uh speaking of sony too i think something interesting that just came up in the news recently is um I think what is it? They like registered the tra- re re uh, renewed the trademark or something for uh, PlayStation Experience. That's kind of interesting because that is a huge fan favorite event that they have done in the past, and I think that would be really cool if they brought back PlayStation Experience. Is that the one they did at the end of the year? Yeah, like December ish. Yeah. Yeah, th- those were cool. I mean, they were so laid back. There was even one year they had like couches and recliners on the stage and all just sitting and bullshitting and then talking about the games and then they would show the trailers and so yeah it was it was a really cool atmosphere they created in those uh shows that they had well with covid now it's it's a little weird so they gotta they're gonna have to tackle that differently but uh, but yeah I, i agree they should bring that back more events are starting to happen now like life is kind of sort of returning to normal whether that should happen or not that's that's a whole nother topic but um yeah, stuff's starting to come back, so I could definitely see by, like, say, the end of the year that uh, they would be feel safe enough having a in-person event. And um, the, the thing about those events is it was cool because they would start off the event with, like, a, a big presentation, like you're used to from, you know, like an E3-type thing. But then it would be, you know, it would be like a multi-day thing where they would have all these kind of, like, in-person uh, attractions and stuff, basically just celebrating PlayStation. It would be for the fans, I think that would go a long way to um, revitalizing confidence in Sony because I think right now, like the confidence amongst Sony fans is, it's very, I wouldn't say very low, but we're, they're worried. Fans, you know, gamers, I include us in that. We are worried, you know. I'm a fan of all the consoles, but I really do love Sony. And I think that, yeah, we're, we're kind of worried. Um, they did say they have an answer to Game Pass, so we'll, we'll see what that is in the near future. And it's probably going to be the PlayStation Plus collection expanded, and they're going to do more with that. They got to start uh, bringing out more info about that. They, they 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 talked about that many months ago, and they haven't really addressed it since. Yeah, and I think like there's there's been rumors of another state of play happening this summer, and I I think that's probably true because I think they they have to announce the Horizon release date this year. It's it's definitely got to come out at, like sometime during the fall or holiday season. So I think they would do that. And then I think, you know, by the time, say, if they do have a PlayStation experience in December, um, maybe show us a little something from God of War, you know, just bring us those big exclusives. Give us a look, like uh, give us more confidence. And when I say like, you know, we're worried, I, I don't really care which, you know, I don't really care if Microsoft, Nintendo or Sony's on top. Like, I don't I don't I'm not a fanboy. I don't care. But I just want all these companies to be healthy enough to where they can just keep putting out great games and, you know, do whatever they need to do for the gamer all right mike so we've gone on long enough with um xbox 360 which kind of morphed into a different conversation at the end but um yeah so finally we have reached surprise mechanics uh this is both our favorite part of the show and this is essentially where we each bring something to the table it could be anything it's it's going to be a total surprise to either one of us which is part of the fun and so, Mike, if you'd like to start us off, what is your surprise mechanic? Okay, Jacques, I picked five random video games. 
Now, I'm going to read you the descriptions for each of these games, and after I finish reading one of them, you have to tell me what game it is. Let's see how good you are with this. I think this is going to be fine. I think the audience are going to enjoy this one. You ready, Jacques? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Number one. If you think it's scary on the outside, wait till you see the basement. You're in for the longest night of your life. Ghosts, goblins, demons, wolves, bats, creatures lurking around every corner. As you descend deeper and deeper, they get thicker and thicker. Better stick close to the cavern floor. It's your only chance of finding a weapon or two. You're going to need them. What game is that? Well, I, I feel it's, it's got to be something supernatural, obviously. Um... Sean's screaming at the thing, I think he knows. <laughs> oh, okay, so it's something Sean likes. Hmm. Now, is it a game that I have played before? Am I, am I allowed to ask, like, sort of questions that don't give it away, but maybe hint? Yeah, I think you played this one. Okay. Hmm. My God, I'm blanking. I know this is not right, but I just have to give an answer because we can't be here all night. I'm just going to say Resident Evil Village. I know that's wrong. Wow, that's way off. No, it was Castlevania for the NES. Oh my God, dude. Ghosts, goblins, demons, wolves, and bats. I, I, I thought that would give it away. No lie, I was going to say Castlevania, but I chose Village instead. Wow. <laughs> I should have just... This is... Okay, this is the same issue when we did trivia. Like, I should have just went with my gut, because it's usually right. Always go with your gut, Jacques. Your gut seems to be right, like, 70% of the time. Okay, yeah, noted. Let's move on to the next one. Okay, number two. A crow is chasing a blank named Blank. I, I, I put blank there because I can't say the character's name. In outer space, Psycro is chasing a renegade ship. The ship's captain has stolen an ultra-high-tech indestructible super space cybersuit, and Queen Slug for a butt has ordered Psycro to get it, since it can make her more beautiful than Princess What's-Her-Name. Psycho blasts the captain and the suit falls to planet Earth. Back on Earth, Blank wonders if he is finally safe when an ultra-high-tech indestructible super space cyber suit lands on him. Then the space particles begin interacting with Blank, causing a light-speed evolution. Blank soon realizes he is in control of the suit. Do you know what this is, Chuck? Okay, my gut tells me it is a crisis game. I'll give you one more guess. No. Oh, my God. My gut's wrong. See? Now I can't win. I go Dude, with my listen gut. to some of these characters' names. Queen Slug for a Butt and Psycho. Kind of goofy. Okay, so it's more goofy. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, those names don't do anything for me, but yeah. Um, my, my brain is just not functioning at full capacity right now. <laughs> give me one more, one more good guess. I mean, clearly it's sci-fi, but okay. So, what are some goofy sci-fi games? I mean, I like. I know it's not a. It's. I'm thinking Ratchet and Clank because we were just talking about that. Like maybe one of the older ones, but that doesn't seem right. Um. Hmm. I was also thinking like uh, a Metroid or something because of the suit, but I know that's not right either. That's um. A suit. Who has control of a suit that fell to Earth? It takes place on Earth, so. What game? There's a lot of games that take place on Earth. I think the character leaves Earth shortly after this, if I'm remembering this correctly. That's all I could say. It is... 
Mass Effect plus Rabbids, which is a game that does not exist, but I have no better answer. Earthworm Jim. Ah, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, man, the old school gamers are like screaming at me right now. I think you're going to get the next one, Jacques. Number three. A soldier who infiltrates a nuclear weapons facility to neutralize a terrorist threat, blank must liberate two hostages, the head of DARPA and the president of a major arms manufacturer, confront the terrorists and stop them from launching a nuclear strike. What is this game? That is Metal Gear Solid. Which one? Oh, shit. The first, the first one, Metal Gear Solid. Correct. Yeah. Yep. That's of course it. I know that one. Like, man, finally giving me one I, I know. <laughs> okay, number four. Earth is ground zero in the war to save the galaxy. And how you wage that war is entirely up to you. Groundbreaking interactive storytelling drives the heart-pounding action in which each decision you make could have devastating and deadly consequences. Decisions? I don't know why I was immediately thinking Mass Effect, but I'm like, no, there's no way you would... It's, and that, a lot of that doesn't take place on Earth. Uh, have I played this game? Yes, you've played it. Hmm. Decisions? So it's like decisions. It actually affects the story? Correct. Huh. I'm trying to think of a game, because there's not a lot of games where, like, the decisions actually affect the story. Like, they say they do, but it's it's... What's your gut telling you, Jacques? I mean, I, like I said, Mass Effect was like the four one of them. I don't, I don't know if you want me to be specific. Yeah, I just, I, so I'm thinking like Mass Effect, but I'm like, would you really make that one of them after we've been talking about it so much? Um, and then I'm like, well, what Mass Effect? Because I'm, I'm thinking like it could be the original because it sounds like it's describing like a, a brand new franchise. But I'm also like. In Mass Effect 3, you're actually, like, on Earth in the beginning. Um, I, you know what? I'm just, I'm just... I'm just... Oh, man. I'm overthinking it. I, <laughs> I'm in my own head. God, there's no way you're going to get the last one. Oh, well, thanks for telling me that. Uh, I'm just going to say Mass Effect, the original. Incorrect. Yeah. What is it? It was Mass Effect 3. I I told you. Should what would you got? Oh, my butt cheeks are clinching right now. Ah, oh, dude, once again, I should have went with my guts. You're you're fucking with me, Mike. I'm I'm gonna be really surprised if you get the last one. All right, what is it? Number five. Revenge solves everything. The once entrusted bodyguard of the Empress, framed for her murder and empowered with supernatural abilities. You become an assassin to seek revenge on those who ruin your life. The choices you make will shape your fate and that of the empire around you. I, I immediately know what that is. And it's funny because I've only played like a little bit of it, but it's Dishonored. Oh, you got it. Yeah. There you go. All right. Not bad. All right. That, that's crazy, man. The, the, the sequence of those five questions and the ones you think that I would get right, I didn't. And yeah. Two out of five. That's not bad. I mean, it kind of is, but but thank you for saying that. You kind of got Mass Effect 3 right, if you just went with your gut. Same with um, Castlevania. I mean, if you just said, ah, Castlevania NES, if you boom, you would have got it. So if I went, okay, so if I went with my gut, I would have got, like, what, four out of five? Four out of five. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Jesus. I don't like this game. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it's kind of funny that you came up with that because I was thinking of doing a similar surprise mechanics to that. Not this time, but it was just kind of floating around in my mind. So, well, now I can't. Well, maybe in the future I'll surprise you with one and bring it back around. Yeah, definitely. It'd be fun if I get some of those, yeah. Okay, uh, here I'll move on to my surprise mechanic. And, uh, Mike, I've got a movie review for us today. Uh-oh. And don't worry, it's video game related, and I think you'll be very pleased with what it is. Is it Doom? <laughs> that is a very good guess, because that actually was the one I was looking for, but I couldn't find it on any of the streaming services, and I'm not paying for that shit, so... <laughs> And so, okay, and the next I was going to do Sonic the Hedgehog. I was going to be like, okay, I'm going to give this another shot. But then I went on Hulu, and I found the one, Mike. And it is Willy's Wonderland, starring Nicolas Cage. Oh, the the Five Nights at Freddy's knockoff. Oh, God, I want to watch that so oh, bad. It's yes. on Hulu? It certainly is. Oh, God, I, I got to watch that soon. I, yeah, I have Hulu. What the hell am I doing? Boy, this is certainly a movie that I watched. <laughs> and as you know, I, I love Nicolas Cage. Um, I'll watch that man do pretty much anything. Even on some of those adult websites? Do you, you watch him do that? Uh, no, I haven't like uh, I haven't rule 34'd him yet, but um, you know, there's the, maybe I'll do that after the podcast. Yeah, as you said, this movie is basically a ripoff of Five Nights at Freddy's. And I was kind of reading up a little bit about it afterwards. And it's hilarious because the director claims that it was not at all inspired by the, the game, that franchise. And when you see this movie, you're like, you're straight up a fucking liar. Now, I don't know if he wrote this possibly well before they did the Five Nights at Freddy's. Now, if that's the case, then yeah, okay. I'll, I maybe. doubt it because that, that franchise has been around for quite a while now. And uh, so what happened is, like, um, the, the reason Nicolas Cage agreed to do this movie is because I guess this script was, like, floating around on online, and he somehow caught wind of it, and he was like, yeah, I need the money. <laughs> so so he agreed to do this. And um, first, let me say, Mike, that um, Nicolas Cage doesn't say one word in the entire 83 minutes of this movie. Yeah, I've heard that from a few people i had no idea going in and i'm just waiting the whole movie is like is now is now the time he's gonna say a word no no now so like i guess if you consider like when he's beating the shit out of robots he's like ah, ah that's about all he says if you consider that a word then yeah he's isaac clark yeah that's what isaac clark does in the first dead space game he doesn't talk just screams and and it finally got to the end and i'm like okay now he's gonna deliver like the final word nope he doesn't say damn thing. He just gives people stern looks the entire movie. <laughs> Probably like one of the easiest acting jobs Nick Cage has ever had. Whatever you expect out of this movie is exactly what you will get. If you're just looking for a B-horror movie with terrible acting that is really not that great, that's what you're going to get. If you're looking for a Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff movie starring Nicolas Cage, and you love movies that are so bad they're good, that's exactly what you'll get as well. I personally, I, at first, I did not know what to think of this movie. For a large portion of the movie, I was like, okay, are they self-aware? Like, do they realize, like, this is kind of bad, or it's... 
Don't spoil it too much because I, I do want to watch this. I oh, mean, believe me, it's I, I'm not going to spoil it, but trust me, there's literally like I don't even know how you would spoil this movie. It's so straightforward. There's like truly, Mike. I was like, okay, at some point they're going to reveal why Nicolas Cage's character is silent. Like maybe he has a damaged voice box. Maybe he has like some kind of history with these 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 animatronics. Maybe something. Nope, none of that. He just literally doesn't talk. They don't explain it. No reason at all. How's his physical acting though? Like how's that, like him just walking around making faces and his appearance? Like how's he doing in that department? It's Nick Cage. It's like <laughs> if you like that shit, it's good. I liked it. I thought it was fun. It's low budget, very low budget. The the acting is not particularly good. I mean from the other people, there's like a group of teenagers. So it's it's pretty much like from dusk till dawn meets Five Nights at Freddy's. Like there, he's basically just locked in this this place all night with and some kids, like somehow they're involved and yeah, it's pretty straightforward. He just it literally is just like eighty minutes. Well, not quite eighty because there's like you know it starts out there's like a little bit of intro before he actually gets into the place. But um, yeah, it's basically just him beating the shit out of robots the whole movie. <laughs> And it, it's pretty brutal, too. Like, there's actually some pretty fucking cool kills. And the movie is funny. Like, they they definitely know what they're doing. Like, it is self-aware. Like, it's not trying to be serious. Like, they know it's fucking ridiculous. And and But the hilarious part is Nick Cage plays it so straight. Like, he is the baddest, most fucking badass on the earth. Just wrecking these... No emotions at all. Just wrecking... <laughs> okay, there's one scene, Mike, where he is in the bathroom, and um, there's a, a montage of him cleaning the bathroom to, like, club music. And I'm just like, okay, sure. I will not give away the kills. That's part of the fun. So, um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say. Like I said, it's pretty straightforward. Free on Hulu. If I had to give it a rating, um, 11 out of 10. Or, alternatively... Could be a zero out of ten. <laughs> it really just depends on your personality and what you like. So, is it now one of your uh, guilty pleasure movies? Is it on that list? Um, hmm. I don't know if I'll go back and watch it. It's not like that's enjoyable. But if you're just looking for like you know ninety minutes to kill, yeah, why not check it out? Now, the, the, the reason I was reviewing this movie is because so I've mentioned my friends. Um, Adam and Dustin, who do a bit of the ultraviolence podcast, which you should go check out because it's really awesome, uh, where they review like action and horror movies. So on one of the recent episodes, um, Dustin does the this section called the Ultra News, and uh, he started talking about uh, Dead by Daylight, the uh, newest update uh, with the Resident Evil. I took that as uh, aggressive posturing. They uh, they're they're kind of encroaching on our space, and they even they shit talked a little bit too. I got to be honest. Oh, this can't stand. No, definitely not. I'm going to step on their toes and I'm going to steal their shit. So I did a movie review, um, a horror movie and action too, I guess. Now they have this segment at the beginning called a bit of the ultra thirst, which I don't feel bad stealing because technically I kind of helped create it and come up with the concept. So I think I have license to kind of use it. <laughs> However, then so let me explain the the segment first. For basically, they just rate the top three like sexiest characters in the movies. So now with this movie, obviously Nicolas Cage number one. So yeah, 
Oh, come on. There's no argument for me at all. Number two, I'm going to say there's a this animatronic um, who's her name, I believe, is Siren Sarah. And it's hilarious because while all the rest are like in costumes and they look like animatronics, this is just straight up a woman with a giant head on. She's trying to walk around like a robot and it does not look at all like a robot. And third... I, I abstain because all the rest, there's not really a lot of females and all the rest, um, they don't exactly say their age, but I think they're a little bit too young. Let's just say Nicolas Cage can be third. Put him in there twice. Nicolas Cage is third. There you go. Yeah. Nicolas Cage, number one, number three. So yeah, they, there's like a couple of girls on there that I'm pretty sure are actually like probably in their twenties or more. But as far as like the characters, it's gray area. So I'm just going to play it safe and not objectify yeah, don't, them. Yeah, don't don't go down that road. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, in your face, Adam and Dustin, what you gonna do? Your move next. And that's all we got. My well, no, I, I take it back. You know what? Going off that, I have one more thing. So uh, I don't know. I think it was our E3 episode. I had brought up at the end Among Us. And I said that, um, you know, we need to do like a little crossover once it comes to the console with uh, with Dustin because he plays Among Us on Twitch. And he plays with a a streamer and her name is Meeks TV. That's M-E-A-G-S-T-V. So on Twitter, I got invited to um, go check out the stream, which I did a few days ago. Well, I guess once this releases, it'd be longer than that. So I checked out the stream and... Um, yeah, like she's a really cool streamer. She streams a lot of Among Us, and I'd recommend you go check out Meeks TV. But unfortunately, they only play on PC with mods. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to be able to do the crossover event of the century. No. Well, is there cross? Oh, they only play with mods, so never mind. I was thinking about crossplay with Xbox and PC, but that's probably not going to work. Yeah, it's the mods, the mods that's the issue. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, that sucks. But yeah, that's that's all I got, Mike. That is absolutely it. We have hit our time limit. I'm going to have a lot of fun editing this one. We picked a really good topic, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, okay, I'm going to switch it back over to Jacques, because it sounds like I'm going into the outro myself. Nope. Yeah, it's, it's your uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, you probably do better outros than me, because I always completely botch them, so... All right, now, yeah, let me attempt to land this plane, okay? I will try not to crash and burst into flames this time. Thanks for listening. You know, this has been the Boundless Gamers podcast, and we appreciate all the people who are continually coming back because we're trying to build an audience and it is difficult. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, go on to our social media at Boundless Gamers on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we, we do post, um, so Mike runs the Instagram and I run the Twitter and Facebook. So you're going to see a lot of like variety of things on each one. So they're all worth following. Um, and yeah, other than that, just surpri um, <laughs> surprise us, <laughs> subscribe to us. You could surprise us too. You know, if you want to just like, you random. can surprise us by subscribing to us. Yeah. Yeah. So subscribe to us. Um, also you can surprise us, send us some DMS of, um, interesting things. I'll leave that up to you, uh, how you want to decipher that. Certain things I want to see, but there's other things I don't want to see. So, yeah, well, we'll leave it at that. You can, I'll tell you what you can send Mike. You can send him, like, uh, lewd photos of, like, Revan cosplays or, like, Darth Revan um, Rule 34 No, 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 stuff. I don't want Revan. No, 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 no. I, no, I, no, I don't want Revan. It, Harley Quinn and Liara, 100% okay with that. 
Revan? No, I, I don't want to see Revan in that way. No, 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 no. I'm good. All right, well, let's end this thing. <laughs> All right, this here we go. I'm putting down the landing gear, okay? We're going to land it. All right, smooth landing, cool. All right, we are done. So thanks for listening once again, and we will see you guys next episode.